How's it, guys? Cooks here. Welcome to another episode of the Raggy Bits Pod. Um, I'm sure you were surprised to hear my voice, especially after Finn Russell did not make the, the end of the year tour squad, but I'm here to 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 to, to, leak, my, to leak my wounds, especially with Jared here. Um, yeah, it's been an eventful weekend, but um, yeah, happy to be back here for another episode. Myself and Jared are on. Sean is fighting all the technical difficulties and um, between load shedding and technical difficulties, it is a hard time to be a podcaster in 2022 at the moment. But um, at the moment, um, yeah, we are here with Jared and excited for another episode, obviously brought to you by Bet.co.za and it's been quite an interesting weekend of rugby this weekend, but happy to be here. Jared, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, Cooks. Good to you. Good to have you back on the podcast. And uh, I've I've heard the rumors that uh, you're actually here because um, you heard that Tyler was going to be on, and his man Adam Hastings made the squad. So that's uh, that's why you're willing to take it on with that with our team being here. Hundred <laughs> percent. And I, when I heard Tyler was not going to be, I was like, I'll even I'll even host for the day. That's how confident I yeah, exactly. was. But, um, <laughs> I, I think we can, uh, we can chat on that a little bit. Eh? Like uh, you say, you're licking your wounds about Finn, but he actually had a quality game. Like he really uh, hit back from that snub quickly and went, um, and like Town said, said to him, oh no, you're not my kind of chef. And then he went and cooked for us. In. Yeah, 100%. It was weird because on the Friday, Adam Hastings had that drop goal as well from his Spanish half a line. So he was basically the talk of the town all of Friday night and Saturday morning. And Finn Cook this weekend, he had a great game. But I hear Finn's comment about saying that he's actually glad he's in the squad because he's tired of going back and forth and he can sort of have a bit of stability. So I definitely think there's something in the camp there between Gregor and Finn. I mean, obviously, we know the issues are, are well documented, but... Yeah, were you surprised to see him not in the squad, um, Jared? Um, I I think whenever they name a Scotland squad, there's always a surprise or two, and like just Finn not being there is a big call. Um, so Townsend never really surprises me because he's like a a mad scientist. Like he's never quite sure about what he wants to do next, and his selections are always all over the place. Like. Yeah, like uh, poor Sam Johnson's um, the starting uh, center and has a great game. And the next week he's dropped entirely from the squad. Like he, he's that kind of um, coach. So I was somewhat surprised, but also at this thing around Kinghorn playing 10, it it's, doesn't surprise me too much, if you know what I mean. No, 100%. I mean, it's always been a classic Gregor Charles. I mean, like, Adam Hastings wasn't even in the squad to start the season as well. So, in the, in the June test. So, in Scotland, you kind of never know. I, th- I think he actually got injured. He was supposed to go and got injured. Oh, they were injured. So, oh, yes. Yeah. Which yeah. I, you never know the Gregor what Townsend team sheet, but I have recovered. I am feeling uh, a lot better. I've, I've, thank goodness Finn did cook. But um, we've got a, talking about Finn, I mean, it leads to our, our first first question is our first first question of the week was describe your favorite rugby player, but wrong answers only. And um, Jared, I would love for you to, to say what you said to me about my favorite rugby player. You, you said off air, but I think the people need to hear how you cut me down yeah. before this. Yeah, uh, the greatest uh, Scottish fluff of all time. <laughs> well, the, the other one is uh, he's he's a he's a fly half and he's in the Scotland squad. <laughs> <laughs> in, 
thing is, I can't even, I can't even hate on it. But um, I love some of the responses you also got on Twitter. Rian Lowe said, "A gigantic teenager, he gets regular praise for causing grievous bodily harm to his superiors, and and obviously it has to be Ruan Fento." But I'm like, those aren't wrong answers, though. <laughs> Except for <Exactly>. gigantic. <laughs> yeah. Like we all know that Ruan Fento is going to gender against any 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 replay that's older than him. That's the problem. Yeah, the man plays angry rugby. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, he gets somebody to, like, swear at him and, like, before the game, like, just give him a whole lot of crap. Or either that or he's got, like, some Michael Jordan fantasies with him, man. Like, uh, like Hamish Watson, when he played against Hamish Watson, just said, like, hello to him in the tunnel and he, like, took it personally. Like, why the fuck is he saying hello to me? Yeah, 100%. But Jared, I was trying to figure these out, some, some of the ones on Twitter. I was trying to figure out, but let's see if you know. So Ryan Brelowitz, oh, excuse me if I didn't say it wrong. He says, a 10 who can't pass, but can do anything he wants with his feet. Goal kicks on the halfway line, no problem. 322s, at least three a game. Perfectly struck up, up and under is the only method of attack. Oh, I was mm. thinking Elton Yankees. Yeah, I think it could be Elton, but it could also be Finn. It could also be Danny Cipriani. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it could also be Quay Cooper. Um, there's quite a few like that that really could be. Because <laughs> I was thinking, I'm like, oh, it's not off line. Elton normally doesn't take it from the halfway line. And I was thinking, oh, that's, that's, that's actually a tough one. But here's, here's, here's another one from Sheldon Lawrence. Shortest guy with the smallest arms has the perfect head of hair of all time. And all his showers are from contact and never gets into fight and has never had his jersey ripped apart. That's he ever has to It surely has to. Has yeah, to. I was say, he, he had me at his jerseys never ripped apart. I think no one goes through most Springbok jerseys than Evan Etzebeth in a season. Yeah, and they're supposed to be tart fits, eh? Just shows you how somebody's grabbing onto him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And in this one, the last one from Ganjama says, all this came from the side, biggest cheater ever. So it can't be Richard McCall. Yeah. Uh, David Pocock. Sure, 100%. Because, I mean, yeah. like I said, Richard McCall lived, lived, lived in this coming on the side of the, field, side of the rack. Mm, mm, exactly. Okay, Cook, so I'll, th- I'll, throw one, I'll throw one off at you. Um, he, never got yellow, uh, he never got yellow carded for um, a hard tackle and uh, he played for the Wallabies. Right, fly off. I think that's how it's supposed to work, this one. <laughs> they never got carded. Okay, so only got carded for a hard tackle. <laughs> you, are you talking on Farrell? No, but it's a good guess. You said he never got carded, so it's definitely, definitely not on Farrell. He never gets carded for his high tackle. Um, yeah, did you Butch see what James? he got carded for this week? Yep, Butch James is the right answer. <laughs> did, you, did you see what Owen Farrell got yellow carded for this week? Though? <laughs> no, I didn't. What did he do? He tripped Jack Noel just before he was about to get the ball. <laughs> so he came oh from God. an offside position as Noel was about to get the ball. He tripped him and the Exeter scrum half passed it to Noel and he, as he caught the ball while he was tripping. <laughs> That is I feel like you'll get a yellow card for everything but a high tackle. Yeah, so when I when I saw that he got a yellow card, I went like searching through the game. I was like 
convinced that he actually got yellow carded for a hard tackle. And then I saw it. I was like, no way. Come on. Oh, my goodness. That is. But I'm telling you, that Oak knows how to avoid high tackles. I mean, high and yellow cards. It's, him and jo- it's like him. The same with Johnny, Johnny Sexton avoids being yellow carded for, for, what you call it, for whining at the referee. It's a, there's a skill there. Yeah, yeah. Like, Sexton won't even be captain and he'll be able to get away with um, back chatting the referee kind of thing. <laughs> no, it's, it's crazy. But um, yeah. that's it for our first phase this week. Um, this week, which is when you just go, it is going to be a great, great part, a great week for Rugby Boots because we've got we have this part on normal on Monday and we've also got a guest coming on. So just watch out for those two parts coming. But also looking ahead, Jared, this week for, for SSRs, it is it is Derby weekend. We've got, we got, we got some SA Derbies again, the Bulls taking on the Sharks in Loftus. And then we also have also the Lions versus Stormers. If you had to make a quick prediction for the Lions-Stormers game, uh, would you got in, uh, in Ellis Park? Yeah, um, I'm going to go with the Stormers. I think uh, with Kitsoff and Mohoba up front, and uh, I think they've got the power to to knock the Lions back. So I would go with the Stormers. Yeah, that's a great shot. I'm actually, yeah, I'm going to go Stormers. I think I was already going for the upset, but you're right. I think with Kitsoff and Mohoba back, I think it, it, does sway the, it does sway the decision slightly. And obviously the Stormers, yeah, being the form, I mean, they're both the form side, they're both coming off a loss, but I think the Stormers will, will, will just have to, will, I think it'll be close, but I think the Stormers will, I think, I mean, obviously having, having dealt now with the, the Stormers, I think it's, it's fair for us to stay in the coast and, and deal with the barbarians. I mean, sorry, the Sharks. It, it feels like a barbarian side with all the, with all the internationals in there, but um, the, for them, it's been, I don't know, they start is. It's because like, the Sharks. I don't know if, what you, Jerry, you think. It feels like there's two sort of different teams: the Sharks with all the box back, and then the Sharks without all the box back. And um, we saw a glimpse of what they can do when all the box back in the Glasgow second half. And um, I think the Glasgow second half. And it's a pity they didn't play against Arsenal this weekend. But what do you make of the first five games the Sharks have played this year? Yeah, um, I, I think it's been a decent start for the Sharks. Um, I think uh, that. Dragons game that they had, they won by one point. Um, I think they could have been a bit more clinical in that game. Um, but a win's a win. And then they had the really testing job of facing Ulster in Dublin, which is never easy. So, yeah, I, I think they put up a good fight against Leinster, but they just, the quality just uh, of the two sides just showed in the end. And uh, if, the, if the Sharks had their books, I think they would have done a little bit better. Um, I think we'll start seeing a lot more from them. Like the, uh, last week was um, the first time that Neil Powell has like really taken over the Sharks and uh, he was fronting up the media as well. So yeah, it, it sounds like he's pretty much um, taken on like the team selections as well and the general game plan of the side. And yeah, he's got quite a good staff backing him up. So I think it's onwards and upwards for the Sharks from now on. Um, but yeah, the, the game against the Bulls will definitely be the main focal point. And yeah, litmus test, should we put it that way? And sure, I mean, I was saying with the Sharks, obviously having, it, it does feel like they have almost have two squads with one of the boxing and one without the box. And, um, and, and obviously for them, it's all about creating cohesion and spending more, as much time as they can together. 
do you think now, because obviously they'll, they'll play the balls in the box, sort of go back on, on the end of the year tour, do you think the Sharks are probably the most affected because now they're going to this run now needing sort of build cohesion, build continuity? How do you see them going in this last bit now because they've got, they got the Bulls and they're, and they're back in SA for a bit, but they're losing some of their box. How do you see them going after, after this weekend? I think they're going to struggle um, because, you know, I think it's been quite evident that they, they've been trying to find themselves and, and, and everything. And last week, the second half of the game, it pulled together. This week, the game was canceled. So, um, you know, it's really hard to get that continuity and things going. But Neil Powell and the rest of the coaching staff and Sean Everett are going to be really driving at home. like carry on building on what we had and what we were going for and just deal with the disruptions. The, the Sharks are going to have to deal with the disruptions. They're, they're going to have to learn how to deal with it. There's no ways they're going to escape it. They um, are going to have it going forward, and that's just the way that they've made up their squad. They want to be competitive um, in Europe and, and the URC. They're going to need to do it with um, a good bit of youth, talented youth coming through and a whole bunch of swing box. and. This is their, their current truth. This is their reality. You know, this is how they have to do things moving forward and they need to find a solution on how to make sure they evolve from, um, from squad to squad with and without the spring box and with all the disruptions. What I found very interesting last week when the coach spoke was Neil Powell was sort of saying that um, it's now time for the youngsters to like prove themselves and come through the ranks at the Sharks and um, start getting players into the senior squad. While Jake White was like on the opposite end of the spectrum, where he's saying that uh, he's speaking to his um, directors and the guys that make the big decisions above him and telling him he's telling them we have to get um, more experienced players in from overseas because we have all this crop of local young talented players, but he actually needs the experience in the, um, in the, in, within the ranks to, to develop these players properly. So I, I just thought it was like a random um, extra that these two coaches or these two teams are in completely different um, scenarios in their, in their like, development throughout the, through the season. It's so, it's so important to remember that, and I'm so glad that you picked that up and have brought it up, Joe, because every coach approaches things differently. They all have their own philosophies and their own views and their own opinions on how, thing go, on how things go. And essentially, you want the head coach and everyone buying into him and what he wants, and it must be executed. Like, for, for argument's sake, the Crusaders. We know the Crusaders, if you're going to beat them, you want to beat them in the beginning of the season. Um, you know, they're, they're, very, they're notorious slow starters. And, um, and they gain momentum and they get going. And then towards the end of the season, they're firing on all their cylinders. And that's the thing that we need to probably respect a little bit more in South African rugby um, about what's happening with the, with the coaches, what they want, what their philosophy is. Um, it's really hard when you when you have tough seasons. Um, it's difficult to gauge with a side like the Stormers because I think it wasn't planned that way last year that they were going to just go forward and dominate at the end. And you'd expect sides like the Bulls and the Sharks to be really to be much stronger to 
to be more stable because of the experience and the and quite frankly the checkbook that they've got you know that you're mm-hmm. expecting them to have players management um everyone involved to move, make the move from one type of squad like a springbok loaded one to the other type of squad the non springbok loaded one to make that movement with a little bit more ease yeah 100% sure man you know, you know, every time you think of the Sharks, I think we've mentioned in the previous parts that um, if there's ever a side that need to spend a lot more time together with all their players, it's probably the Sharks. But you look at the second half performance, it's like the quality they possess, the box that come in, they sort of almost click back into shape in the second half and they scored some some phenomenal tries. But I think I've got to ask, I mean, I mean Jared loves his loose forwards. Is there a better loose trio in the URC than Sia Colisi, Fuenzatuka, Pepsi Butelezi, and on the bench you can have either Dylan Richardson, James Fento, or Skumbuza Noche. There can't be many better loose trios than that, or loose, loose forward pack than that. Yeah, I, I don't think there is too many better. Um, I, I will say, though, that uh, the Bulls back uh, loose trio has been incredible this season, and they were just as good this last weekend. Like, Marco was starting, he's starting to look like Marco von Staden that knocked the lights out of the All Blacks. And uh, so, yeah, yeah. and Marcel Katsia had a proper Marcel Katsia match. And then Ulrich Lowe was doing his bits as well. And yes, him going down injured was was harsh. But yeah, maybe we just need to see the, the Sharks uh, loose trio get a, get a good running. Um, I think the Lions will argue that they've got just as a strong one with. Uh, Emmanuel there with Frankie Horn and uh, yeah, uh, Frankie Horn and Ron Benson. So yeah, I, I think there's some good uh, back rows running around there, and that's not to even dive into Leinster and Munster and Ulster with the well Paul there at uh, Ulster as well. I love that um, that transition into that young Lions Lions Blues trio, which has been incredible. I think. You know, going to the Lions, I saved them for last because I think for me, they have been probably the best story to come out of our URC season for, for the South African sides. You know, you know, arguably we thought that coming to the season, the Lions would probably struggle and the number of players have lost and, and um, you know, and we just sort of felt like they could, it could, it, it, it would be a tough season for them. For them to have started so well, unbeaten on tour, I mean, winning three games on tour, and um, coming back, I mean, tough loss to Ulster, but just the players that have come through, the Ron Fenters, the Henko van Vegs, the Frankie Horns, Quinn Horn, um, Gianni Lombard, I mean, some of the names that, I mean, Ron Dre has been, he, he's been he's been fantastic, probably has the whole flow of the season so far, the competition, but Sean, has has there been a better story than the Lions so far for the, in the URC? Nah. But the only one that would rival it um, probably would be the Dragons, um, just because they've got a couple of wins already this season. But the Lions have, with with what they've got, with they've got a side that really. The thing I love about it is that they've got a side that you will never ever look at those players individually with the greatest of respect to them. And before this tournament, you wouldn't look at those players and go, you know, they're really going to rip us apart. Um, Jaden Hendricks is one of them. But, you know, he's been injured for so long. Um, Marius Lowe, who's been phenomenal, everyone seems to think that he failed it at the Sharks and that he, he couldn't cut the mustard. 
um, Henko van Veik, youngster, you know, stuff like that. Sanele Nohamba, same thing. Emmanuel Chatuka, we all know he's good, but he's playing in the shadow of his brother. And, and you're kind of looking at that going, you know, they've got some old boys there and stuff. And I think the biggest win for me with the Lions is they have very, very quietly got two exceptionally competitive front rows. And that has been something that we haven't seen. We talk about sides with competitive front rows. We're talking about the Sharks. We're not uh, South African sides, you know, because the Stormers, we know they pretty much only have one competitive front row, one and a half maybe. The Bulls, we know, are struggling. And here are the Lions who, again, with the greatest respect, are picking up the scraps or having to sell off their stars. And they've got, compet- they've got front rows, whether they're starting on the bench, that will, will, will win you penalties in, in a match. And we never really expected that from them. That's been one of the, the things that have been flying under the radar. Uh, the whole Lions team, everything about them, their youngsters, their form, their, their mindset has all been flying under the radar. But for me, the front row, the front rows, both of them have been one of the big, big wins for the Lions. Sure, I think you're right there, Sean, with uh, their competitiveness at scrum time. But it's still, they're having a similar problem as what the uh, Stormers have had. Stormers have had it for over a season now is uh, their line-out and the Bulls are having that same problem with their line-out. So I think if the Lions can sort out, get a proper hooker, uh, proper hooking throws sorted, they're going to be a real, real tough side to take down. And if you look at the Lions, I mean, I think, like I said, the, the props, the, the prop, their prop death has been incredible. Morris, Morris Lowe is probably... An unsung hero. I mean, I love Sean said he probably he struggled. He struggled over the Sharks, but I mean, I think when the Sharks was sort of an unsung hero. I mean, he always he was playing 12, 13, covering for Lukanya Amia. Or I just you know, probably never felt like a starter starter with the Lions. He's become one of the key players, and he's playing week in week out, and sort of knows that that he's probably one of the best players in the field, but. I think it's time to have the Hank of Vey conversation, Jared. I mean, you've 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 put out um, many threads on how good he is. Just tell us what makes this kid so special, and do you think we might see him spending some time in in Europe in November? Yeah, I think it's quite difficult not to see him in that uh, South African A squad. Like, I I'm not too sure what the coaches thinking is in that kind. And that kind of thing, but there's so much. There's so much Lucanio uh, Ambarbs around him. Um, his ability to um, his his ability on defence to to read when to make a tackle, and it it sounds so silly, but when not to tackle, like there's so many times where he's pushed up onto a player, and the, uh, he waits for that player to make the decision before he makes his decision. So. He'll either force um, a player into running the ball up, then chop him down, or he'll force the player to make a pass that's really not uh, a great option in the end. So being able as a outside center to make your final call on what to do is so pivotal. And it's such a test quality center thing to do. And for him to do it at his age and so effectively right now is a kind of thing that you could see him accelerate his development into a test jumper. Whether 
he is a Springbok quality yet or 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 not is is one of those conversations. But I think he has to be in that South Africa A team and possibly make the make the box wider squad. Yeah, I, I'm not going to agree on everything, Jared. I think he doesn't he doesn't give me Lukanyo and um vibes. He he gives me a world like a a 19 year old world class 13 vibes. Like he definitely plays 13 differently. He plays it. He plays 13 more how we are used to seeing a 13 play. Lukanyo um is an absolute natural. The thing is, is what Lukanya Am does is he, he, it doesn't look like he's doing it and he's doing it where Henko Fenter, uh, Van Vake does. And, um, and that's the thing. Like he, he pushes up and then he holds off and he, he's young and he's, and he's got the vision. It's just, he's just got to get into it being a little bit more um, fluid because he's got his pace to save him. And I'm, I'm by no means, saying that he's not the I'm not trying to talk the youngster down there's no ways I am I'm just saying I think he's a quite a very very different player compared to Lucanio um even though they're playing both in the same space um you know it took South Africans and a lot of people a long time to get used to Lucanio um playing at 13 um even though we all thought he was natural but he has grown so much since you know even since 2019 already so it's a great thing I think I think he is is absolutely class at at 13. I think, you know, I suppose he's 19, so I don't want to sound like I'm too harsh, but he really does. He's the best performing 13 in South Africa by a long shot. And mm. um, on that alone, he has to he has to go on as the first choice SAA um, player. Um, you know, no, he we are going to be. We are going to be mixing the SAA and, and Springbok side. The, the SAA are only announcing 20 players and they're going to be um, pulling down from the Springbok squad on uh, for match day and for training, which we're all well aware of. Um, but it's if you're looking, I think the bonus is, is because we have an SAA side that we are able to pull out of the Springboks, we are allowed and have the ability to name a completely form young, um, young, youngish um, squad because we can bring the experience in from the Springboks if need be, and and remember mm. that that experience could come in in a fringe player in the Springboks, someone like a like, like a, an Elstad for example, or a Dion Fury, um, who who is still working his way into the Springbok squad but ha, um, is, can provide a hell of a lot of knowledge in vital areas. And that's what's, what I'm so excited about is this SAA squad. We don't, we don't have to pick an SAA squad that is, that is on its own, where we kind of need to name and experience 10 to help a young 9 and a young 12, you know, or we don't need to name and experience tight head prop um, for whatever reason, like we have the opportunity to name young form and up and coming guys, and then can then um, sort of sprinkle in the Springbok, the the fringe Springboks later on uh, in in match week. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Sean, as well. Um, I, maybe I was unfair going with the Lucanio um, 
like comparison of I think it is a bit of an unfair thing to do, but uh, I actually meant more in his like defensive awareness. Like I, I haven't seen like that kind of awareness from another player this young since probably Lucano or and Jesse Creel has sort of learned that um, as he's gone along in his career. So yeah, 13s is always such a big um, learning curve for a lot of players and he seems to have caught up with that very, very quickly. And having shock free there certainly helps. Yes. And 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 you bang on though. Like if we are honest, there there are the three best defensive thirteens that can that are eligible to play for the spring box right now. It's Lucanio Arm, Jesse Creel, and um and Henko van Veek. Defensive thirteens. Like that is massive. You know, we've got we've got guys that are that are that are, are good thirteens that can fill a gap. But from a defensive point of view, um, he is head and shoulders above everyone else. Ironically, I know I know we spoke about him at 10, but Rob Dupree played a lot of 13 last season for sale. And his defense, he defended relatively well. But if we're looking at, at who's um, in the mix at the moment, like in South Africa, it's a little bit challenging. I think Ruan Nell maybe puts his hand up, but he's currently injured. And Ruan Nell very likely would have been the front runner for the SAA 13 had he not had he played this season because him at 13 is is absolute class but for the top 3 defending 13s that we currently have you know one is injured in Lukanyo Arm one is the first choice Springbok 13 in Jesse Creel at the moment and the other one has to be Hanko van Veek yeah and all of a sudden uh, Francois Fence is back on the um Springbok radar um it was quite interesting listening to Rassi and I asked if uh, it hurts that any of the players from Wasp or Ustad um, are, if, if they're not in the, um, if they're not playing, are they overlooked? And he said, well, we look at something like 65 players when we select in the squad. And we earlier had uh, Vincent Koch at Wasps and uh, the other, there was no players from Worcester. So yeah, maybe he comes back into the conversation at some stage. Yeah, I definitely think. I mean, geez, like, there's a stage we also questioned like, at the start of the year, like, who can we get to cover Lukanyo? Um, and now we've got three or four options there. So at least we've, we've been able to build depth at 13. But I mean, looking towards that SAA and box squad that's being, that's, that's being named on, on, I think it's Friday. Yeah. Um, I, I want to ask you guys, who is your, you, you, you could name one player each. It can be forward or back. Um, who's the one bolter you'd like to see, whether in the SAA side or the or the or the Springbok squad? Who's who's the one guy that you feel like, even if it's your own personal your own personal player, your own favorite in the streets might might not even one, but who, who's a player you guys would love to see going going to Europe this year? I saw with you, uh, Sharky. Yeah, see, man, why you always hit me up first? Um. Jaden Hendrickson. Jordan, you mean? That's what I said. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Jordan, I want Jordan. I want Jordan. Something happened to Jaden Hendrickson that we don't know about in the last couple of weeks. <laughs> uh, Do you know something we don't know? <laughs> every, every single one of the dirt trackers picked up their phone to, to hit Google and find out what the hell's going on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, so... That's that's who who, <laughs> who my pick is Jordan. I'd like Jordan to go. Like 
Uh, Manny Libok's getting a, a, a massive shot. Um, so is um, uh, Buddha Chamberlain. There are a couple of guys that are putting their hands up, but I think Jordan, even though he's just coming back from injury, I would love to see him in that mix in, in the Springbok fold because the SAA side are going to spend time with the Springbok coaches. They're going to be around those players in their environment, and I, um, and I think he needs to go. Oh, that's, a great, that's a great shot. Uh, I, I do think Jordan Henderson is, 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 is a big part of our future, still a little bit raw, but I'm a massive, massive Jordan Henderson fan. I think there's a lot there. And I think, especially if you said the time, just spend time around, just spend time at camp and, uh, and even, and just even not, even not playing, but just to be in and around. And Jared, who's the player you'd love to see going on tour? Um, I don't know if he really constitutes as a bolter, but I would love to see Marco van starting back in a Springbok jersey. Um, yeah, this last weekend, he really impressed me and I would love to see him back there. But uh, if we're going to go, really go um, with the bolter, I'd say Suleiman uh, Hudsonberg. Like, I'd really love to see him get a go. Like, he's really impressed me, the step up he's made and how quickly he's done it. Um, I think Diamani would also be a decent shot. I think... Uh, there's there's my man I wanted to talk about. And I could only <laughs> name one, and I and I I, I really was struggling. But so I, was totally to bring, <laughs> I was totally gonna bring. I was totally gonna bring. I was totally gonna bring Diamani up because, yeah, I agree. I just want to say I agree totally, and I would love, and we could spend the rest of the podcast talking about him because um, now that you brought him up, Cooks, who's yours? Oh, my one. Is, this is gonna sound from our left field. I would love. To see Marius Lowe, sort of, Ooh. I think it's, I think Marius Lowe is almost the best of both worlds in terms of a 12, where he can bash it up, but also has good enough skills to sort of, you, like, so he's almost like a smaller version of Damien Delindia. And like, I think the form he's shown, I think it, it'll be nice to sort of see where the box kind of have a, as a plan C at all. I know like, we have Andre Estes and then Andre Estes is playing, he's playing really good rugby, but. I think someone like Marius, Marius Lowe is someone who's got great, great soft skills. I mean, his defensively has been good. I mean, and, and, and the form is in, I think it does deserve a reward. I, I, I think you offer something different to what Damien and, and Andres isn't provide. And I, I know obviously Damien is a good fill in at 12, but you sort of, Morris Law sort of fits in more of the traditional box center than someone like Damien Willemsa, who's obviously been playing 15 and 10. But that'll be my, my ball time. And obviously, I think Mon Lebok is everyone is named. That's, that's who they expect to see someone like Mon Lebok. And I just want to talk about Mon Lebok. This is my time for, for the Dirt Trackers. If you know anyone on Twitter, just if Dirt Trackers, if you're a Mon Lebok fan, just, just get ready to, to defend him because if Lebok has a half, even a half decent yeah. game, you're going to get those Lebok haters jumping on there, ready to be like, I told this guy is bad. This is why it wasn't made it to the Sharks. This is why it didn't make it to the Bulls. Oh, it drives me crazy. He came out this weekend as well. He did a good game. like, this is what the Bulls didn't go. This is what the my guys, my Lebok cooks. I think he could be played a similar role that Elton played for, for a long time, something different off the pitch. But yeah, I'd love to see Mario Slow sort of, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's almost get recognition for his form, and even if it's the SAA side. I don't know what you guys can, think. Can I throw a few other names out there and we just uh, can revolve that? Is uh, Harold Forster uh, thinking about the inside centre? I 
think he's. I think he's probably the best of the twelves at the moment. Yeah, Erfos is a great shot. David Creel, um, I think he's been great at centre and at fullback and at wing. So I think uh, he probably deserves a good shot. And then, yeah, some luck for the fatties. Carly Sardi. How I would love to see that man get in a Springbok jersey, especially if they have one big enough for him. <laughs> it's, sh- it's the shorts I'm worried about, not the shirt, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. those, are, those are great calls. I, I, I tell you, you know, I want to go back to to the die mining conversation. I was always going to do it, so you guys can roll your eyes all you want. I think maybe why we didn't put him down because he doesn't fit into that Baltic category for us. Diamani has been head and shoulders in the top performing Lucys uh, in the in the South African eligible Lucys in the URC last year and this year, and then he played eight on the weekend. Um, you know, so. I think that's. I think we probably, in our defence, is we probably expecting him to, um, you know, to to walk to walk into that squad, and and that's maybe why he didn't get a he didn't get any one of those things. Am I am I making excuses here? Or you guys understand what I'm trying to put down? Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I'd be surprised if he is in the squad. Like, uh, what? I don't. Yeah, I'd be surprised if he's in the squad. I really would be. I don't know if he quite fits the template of what the box wants out of their loose forwards. Like, I, I, if Evan Rose can fit it, then so can Hutch of a Diamond because he they play the same style and I'd be Hutch of a can play all rounds. If Notche got a recall and they didn't call Diamond, I wouldn't mind that. But I, listen, while we on Namataba is is that guy has been putting his hand up. This season, no, he has. I'm a, I'm, I'm a massive Nama Klubber fan. I just think, I think, but as open as it's tough, you get someone like Rowan Fenter is also playing really well. And you think of like, like, like Quaker Smith can't get a start, and he's probably the backup for Sia as a loose for the Dion Ferries there as well. I think, oh, I think if you're looking at, I mean, at, at open side, I think it's between him and Rowan Fenter, and I think. It's, it's, a, it's a weird one, I think, yeah, because Nantla has been amazing. So I think either if you had to pick a, another open side to go, it's probably either between those two for the SAA side. I think you can pick them both and you can sort them both. Vince is a big oh. boy. He can play as a blind side. Six and a half, sir. Yeah, six <laughs> and a half. No, seriously, Vince does get over the ball quite a bit, but he is more of a um, second rower. So it would be like having yes. a tag burn in your side. So Ireland often play Tagburn with uh, Peter Armani in the same starting lineup. It'd, really it'd be like that. having a, a younger, faster, more agile Peter Stefter toy, which is virtually impossible, but I think we've, we've uncovered him. Yeah, yeah. And then you can throw someone like um, Pepsi Boots there at number eight, and he can just do your big ball carrying, tackling, and you have those two guys, Jacqueline. So uh, I'd like... I'd like to talk about Butelezi because I, I'm, I have a feeling that he's not as close to this SAA side as as people think. I, I'm hmm. I'm not like I, I rate him. I just don't think that he's translated those performances, uh, those the, all of that into like proper standout performances. And to be fair, it's it's been with a struggling shark side <clears throat> most of the time, but. You know, when it comes to eights, uh, um, I think 
I think it's, it's not as clear cut that he goes. I think what they will like about him is that he's a grafter. He's not a, he's not a flashy number eight. Like, Evan Ruiz is off flash and Ari Kolo is very hardworking. So I think Utsilesi might get a bit more of an edge now that uh, those outs and Ruiz has gone into the Springbok setup and not the SAA setup. Yeah, I was going to say, someone like Pepsi. Pepsi's just, you know, I think Pepsi, like, yeah, he does 10 things, 10 things great and he just ticks boxes, hits all the rugs, tackles, carries. Yeah. He sort of doesn't make the big flashy play. I think. I mean, Ross is an incredible ball carrier. So you, it's like you, you, you will, he, Evan Ross will bounce someone or do something fantastic in once a game. It's so easy. But I think because I'm like Pepsi, I mean, I mean Ross is a lot good. Well, I, like I'm, I was one of the few people on the, on the, on the Ross camp. Um, but I think I think like Pepsi, he just, he just ticks so many boxes and he's just a grafter and, and he adds so much balance to that side. If you look at, especially the way the Sharks you see it, so the shocks tend to use a lot, a lot more wider, and then you you got someone like Chituka also is a, another big ball carrier, and also just also just great in the loose. Then like someone like Pepsi sort of is that glue between those two, where he sort of does he does all the dirty work that sort of allows someone like Vincent Sia to cook to cook a lot more, especially in the loose. So I think yeah, Pepsi is very very underrated, and um, like I said, I'd I'd definitely like to see that. I mean, I think him and Nocha obviously is a massive competition for that eight jersey but it's it, it's like um it's so weird with the sharks like it's one of those things like if, if like sia kulisi plays a six and together the flanks you kind of play pepsi there so as a glue guy but like let's say for example you play james fenty at six and you play like a vince chuka at, at at seven you sort of need someone like a noche an extra ball play if that makes sense like that's the kind of options the sharks can use with pepsi and noche i think the ssi could it's a great variety to have sorry i didn't throw it in with you. <laughs> if you guys agree or not <laughs> no, I think uh, you, you've listed off all these potential um, back row combinations just for the Sharks. And um, I think piecing it together for the SAAs is going to be the sort of thing of, okay, we need to get um, Springbok X a bit of game time. And uh, so we want him to play the SAA game. So I think that's one spot taken. And the rest of the back row will sort of be made up of the SAA players given, getting a chance to sort of show themselves. So, I, I, like I said, like, so for example, let's say um, Reynard Alstad is selected on the tour. I wouldn't be surprised if Reynard Alstad goes into the starting lineup and they build the back row from there. So, if that's a marker from starting coming in at, at number seven or number six, the open side role, and then you need uh, you, you you need a um, big ball carry number eight to to fill out that back row. So I think that's where a lot of the selections might actually come down to is who needs minutes for the box. Okay, cool. Who is going to best fit this car with the with the setup? Yeah, that has to be the approach if if we're going to be honest with ourselves. Like we we need guys firstly that play in the Springbok mold. This is not going to be a South African barbarian side that are going to go out and just go hell for leather. You know, like if we can't have that, it doesn't benefit us um, <clears throat> as a group in the future. So doing it that way is probably the most stable way of doing it. And the best way of seeing which of those 
soon to be puzzle pieces are going to fit into the into the squad moving forward um and uh, and and we have to do it that way we've got to we've got to be looking ahead to having players that are going to best fit into certain game plans and styles that will benefit us next year and the year after like as soon as that as soon as possible from a springbok point of view and and the other thing is is as with the springboks do is every player is going to go back home with the roadmap, as Rossi, uh, Rossi's sort of um, called it and how the guys refer to it. They go back with things that they need to work on and, and, how, they, and how they're going to better themselves in their, in their Springbok futures. 100%. Uh, it's going to be exciting. I think obviously come squad announcement day, I mean, I think it's one of the few squad announcements that that's generally got people buzzing because of new names, new guys coming in with the SA side. It's going to be exciting because obviously knowing the time, you kind of know what the box squad and who's playing um, th- three months in advance. So it's going to be exciting to know now who the bolters are and who the guys going on tour and what the, what the shape-up will be for the last couple of games. But before we wrap up, I mean, this weekend, the Eurasy guys, it is SA derbies. So I'm, I'm going to ask you guys for a quick prediction. Jared, Sharks, uh, Lions, or Lions, Lions Stormers coming up first at, at Ellis Park on Saturday. Who you got, Lions or Sharks? I mean, Lions or Stormers? Stormers. Um, yeah, I think they just got too much of a meme pack uh, for the Lions and their kids off. Mahova sort of seen them through. And you, Sharky, Lions or Stormers? I'm going with the Lions, and for the same reason why Jared is going Oof. for the for the Stormers, I'm going because of their of their pack. That's a brave us, but uh, I'm going. I'm going stormers, but I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be a massive battle up front, and um, yeah, I'm I'm going stormers championship pedigree and all. You're going to say those words now about the stormers every time we make this pick. Say, um, then bulls versus sharks. Sharky Sunday Loftus bulls are back on tour. Sharks, sharks probably with the box back or the box back before they. Going to your possible Springbok trials for some. Who you got? I got the Sharks with a bonus point win. Ooh. <laughs> oh, jeepers. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll see what you're better for this weekend. If you get those rides, you're going to be making a lot of money this weekend. Dinner on you. Dinner on you for the next weekend. <laughs> you, Jared? Done. Yeah, I'm also going with the Sharks. Um, I don't know about a bonus point, but uh, yeah. The Bulls have been very successful against the South African sides uh, since Jake has come back, especially at Loftus. And I think uh, the Sharks are one of the bogey teams that have got it right. So I think they'll do it again, especially when they got Evanesa there, Tia Khaleesi, and a whole list of other Springboks. Oh, I'm going Bulls at home. For me, I think, Ijad, you, you, you're making my case for me. I think. You look at the last couple of years, the Bulls have had dominance a bit of the SA sides, and I've seen them put together big performances against the Sharks. So I think the Bulls may edge it at home, but yeah, it's going to be exciting. But guys, that's it for, for, for this week. There's a lot of, lot of rugby coming up this week, some very good rugby. I know, I know the Barbarians are playing this week, um, so we get a little bit of international rugby as well. So as we get, as we start looking forward to, the end of the year tour and from our side we've got something special coming leading up to the national end of the year tour where you might you, you might hear our voices a lot more so 
it's going to be a great couple, a great month and a couple of weeks of, of great drug view. This weekend is going to be jam packed. I mean, for all of those, I mean, we, we will have something special regarding the the women's rugby world cup. So we, we won't keep you in the lurch too much. And then obviously this, this week is also the playoffs for the, um, for the women's rugby world cup. Sean quickly. I know you've been watching a lot of the, of the, of the women's rugby world cup. Just tell us who do you think are the favorites to win it all? I mean, it's the playoffs this weekend of France. Italy is going to be an absolute cracker. That's my, that's, I think Italy might steal that. So, but overall so far, the pool stages, who are your two favorites? Well, it, it has to be England um, and, and New Zealand. But I tell you now, New Zealand at home, they are up for it. Um, we are in for absolute cracking semifinals, by the way. I think the two semifinals are going to be phenomenal. But I'm going to go with, with England and New Zealand. But New Zealand, for me, have to be the favorites at the moment. Um, I think it's going to be a great battle between England and New Zealand if they reach each other, which as things work out, they will if they win the rest of the way. Um, but New Zealand, for me, I think are slightly ahead. Yeah, I agree. I think New Zealand at home. I think this England's going to lose a England's going to lose a game somehow. It's been since 2019, so <laughs> I think they've got to lose a game somehow. But hence, that's, bro, hence that, that's, that's, that's possible. No, hundred percent, hundred percent of Wayne Smith there. But guys, thank you. Thank you, Jared. Thank you, Sharky. Um, we've fought all the te- technical difficulties, load shedding, lightning storms to get this <laughs> to get this part up. Remember to make your bets on bets. See you on Guys, enjoy the rugby this weekend, and see you guys soon. See you later. Cheers. Cheers, guys.